0: In your Christian walk, have you ever wanted to give up? Has your cross felt too heavy to bear? Have you looked at the pleasures of the world and wondered if following Christ was really worth it? If you've been in those moments, was there ever someone to come alongside you and point you to Christ? Or maybe you're in that moment right now, and you're looking for that person to come and show you the glories of Christ again. Go ahead and turn to one Peter chapter four. It'll be in verses seven through nine. And while you turn there, uh, let's remember that Peter um, has is writing to the exiles and saying, "Look to Christ, live in this world, but look to the next." And he's going to continue that and tell us how to persevere while we sojourn through this world. <laughs> So, 1 Peter chapter 4, 7 through 9. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As I mentioned, if you remember back to the beginning, Peter is writing this letter to the elect exiles. Here in these three verses, Peter is telling those same exiles, those pilgrims, how to live in this fallen world in light of Christ's return. Peter mentions this same day, oh, sorry. he starts out in verse 7 by saying the end of all things is at hand, and of course he's talking about Christ's return. He mentions this same day a few verses earlier, talking about unbelievers, um, saying that the unbelievers will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead now he's referring to the Christians to believers saying look to Christ look to the return of Christ and be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers I don't want you to read this and just take it as Peter the Apostle telling us to repent not sin and just leave it at that no this is a man who has lived this out when he says these words no When he says these words, he knows what it's like not to do this. I want you to keep your places here in Peter, but turn over real quick to Mark chapter 14. It'll be verses 32 through 42. And this is Jesus and the disciples right after the Lord's Supper, right before Jesus' betrayal and arrest. Starting in verse 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And you can turn back to First Peter now. Peter knows what it's like to not be self-controlled. We just read how Jesus told him to stay awake and pray, and he slept not once, not twice, but three times. So when Peter says to be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers, he is saying it as someone who didn't do it and saw the consequences after it. Peter is telling us also to be sober-minded, reinforcing what he's already said back in verse three of chapter four, for the, time that is past, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, and so on. He again is reinforcing, saying, Do not live like this world because you are not of it, you are passing through. You may be asking, Do I really have to be self controlled and sober minded? I know that I'm going to sin, so isn't that okay? Do I really need to fight it? Scripture gives us the answer. You don't have to turn there, but listen to these verses and write them down for future reference if you'd like. Psalm 66:18 says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And Isaiah 59, 1 through 2 says, Behold, the Lord, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. And Peter has already answered this for us back when he quoted from Psalm 34 in chapter 3 verses 10 through 12. Saying, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Sin separates us from God, plain and simple. And to remain in unrepentant sin is to remain from God. So now we know we must be self-controlled and sober-minded. And that sounds like it should be an easy command, right? But it's not. (laughs) So what are some practical ways that you can do it? Well, first, we must pray for self-control. Greg Wooten pointed out back in July, when he preached on that verse in chapter 3, that holy living never just happens. Living the holy life is always the result of spirit-empowered, intentional choices. Greg is right. That is because self-control is a fruit of the spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God must give this. Man alone will never have it. So, we must ask God to give us self-control in prayer. Second, you must be in the Word. You must know the Word. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We must not just hear or read the Word occasionally on Sunday mornings or Sunday evenings, but we must read it daily. We must meditate on it and study it. We must dive deep into it so that we may store it up in our hearts so as not to sin. A daily Bible reading plan can be a good thing that moves you through Scripture, and the ones that take you through the Bible in a year are great. But I would recommend that on top of doing that, that you pick a book of the Bible and dive deep into it. Study it, meditate on it, Memorize it so that you may pull it out when needed. I'll give an example of what I do that I got from John MacArthur, so don't give credit to me. Uh, take a book of the Bible and just read it every day for 30 days, for a month. At the end of that month, you're going to have that book memorized, whether you know it or not, um, and you'll be able to pull it out in random conversations at work or at church or wherever you are um, without even knowing. Um, let's take, like, 1 Peter five chapters do it every day do it all at once don't do half in the morning half at night just sit there make time for it be disciplined and read it if you have a large book say matthew it has 28 chapters split that up seven chapters a day do that for 30 days four months later you have read the entire book of matthew uh, this is a great way to dive deep into it, study it over and over and over again. You have time to ask questions if you don't know something, or to look it up, or talk to Blake or anybody else. Um, and you will begin to memorize it without even trying to. Um, and I know we also have other ways to do this. Men's, the men's and women's Bible study that we have here at church um, are great ways that you can uh, dive deep and study the word with others. Um, that if you are to, if you have questions, you can ask in that group setting and do it that way. Uh, but whatever way you choose, make sure that you get into the Bible. Set the time aside, get into it, and get as much out of it as you can. Now, moving to verse 8 and 9, Peter's going from the inward of being self-controlled and sober-minded to the outward and how to love one another well. Read with me starting in verse eight. Above all, keep loving keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. The word love here mentioned is the Greek word agape. This is the same love that God has shown on us, love that is unmerited and gracious. This is the same love that Peter is calling us to love one another with, earnestly or continually with. And then he continues saying, since love covers a multitude of sins. This is Peter again pulling from the Old Testament, Proverbs ten twelve, saying, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. How does love cover sins? Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, four through seven, Paul tells us that love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love sometimes overlooks things for the sake of unity and growth between believers. When a Christian says something that is hurtful, and I say when because it will happen at some point if it hasn't already because we are all sinners, but when it does happen, uh, love does not dwell on it or seek revenge or uh, try to say something hurtful back to to just make it even. No, love does not do that. Love forgives, love overlooks um, for the greater unity of the body and knowing that we have all done that. This does not mean that there are not times that we must love one another by confronting someone that is in sin and calling them to repent. In fact, we are told to do exactly that. The perfect example of this kind of love is of course the gospel. That, we, while, that while we were still sinners, Christ came and lived the perfect life that we could not. Willingly offering himself as the perfect sacrifice in our place, taking on the wrath of God that we deserved. But he did not stay dead. He rose from the dead, conquering the grave, and has ascended to heaven, and will one day return to judge the living and the dead. His love for us covers our sins and has reconciled us to God. So why is Peter telling Christians to love in this way? Peter understands that we are exiles in this world and that this is not our home. And we will all need the help of others to persevere and make it home to be with Christ. And should we not love the ones whom Christ has died for with the same love he has given us? So how can we as believers show this love to one another? I have three ways that we can love one another well. Pray for them, serve them, and fellowship with them. First, we must pray for one another. If you're a member here, I hope you have a membership directory, it's like this one, uh, at home, in your Bible, or wherever you pray, because uh, it has helpful prayers in it um, on how to pray for this congregation, for the universal church, for missions, and all sorts of things. It has specific prayers on how to pray for our elders as they lead us, Um, how they can feed us and shepherd us, shepherd us as the flock, and how to remain upright and above reproach. It has the church covenant, the covenant that we will read here in just a little bit before the Lord's Supper, um, in here, so that we can look at it and examine ourselves and see why we gather at CCBC, why we are truly here for the glory of God. I recommend that you read through this covenant, don't just do it when we read it out loud here. Take it home, study it, go through it, examine yourself like I said, um, and see where you may not be living up to it, because I sure know I'm not sometimes. And then of course, we have the list of CCBC members. Um, so I try to pray through one page a day. Just go through the top to the bottom and pray for it. They're not long prayers sometimes, they're, they're short, um, but it's a good way to pray for everybody in the church, even if I don't know who they are or don't know them well. Um, If a page seems too daunting, pick a small number like two or three and start with that and just do that every day and you'll get through it. Uh, Each time you get a directory, write the names of the children of the families in there. Um, Pray for them. Pray that the parents lead them well, lead them to Christ, read scripture with them, sing with them, pray with them, and pray for the children's salvation. Pray that the parents are intentional with raising their children that they don't waste time on fruitless things. Pray for the couples that their marriage would be centered on Christ, uh, that the husband would love the wife well as Christ has loved the church, and pray for the wife that she humbly submit to him and encourage him and continually pray for him in that leadership role. Pray for the singles in this church. Pray that they find their satisfaction in Christ. Um, that they don't look for the next thing in this world, but set their eyes on Christ and keep pushing. Write down things next to somebody if you know they're struggling with or something that's going on. Somebody just got married, somebody's getting married, somebody starting a new job, somebody's in a job they don't want to be in, sickness, something like that. Anything like that, just write it in there. It helps you keep track of how to pray for them and also down the road you are able to look back and see what uh, prayers God has answered and glorify Him for those answered prayers. Now, I say that as maybe sounding holier than now. Do I do this every day? Absolutely not. I fail. There are days that I do not pray like I want to. There are days I don't pick up the directory at all or go through it. Um, But if you're like me in that regard, Just remember that just because we don't do it as often as we should doesn't mean we shouldn't do it at all. The second way to love one another is to serve each other. We have different service teams here at CCBC, and many of you already serve, so thank you. But if you don't serve, or you feel like you don't serve enough, or that you could do more, then I'd encourage you to just reach out to the service team leaders, the deacons, um, and see if there's a need that you could fill. Um, Again, at the back of this directory, uh, there's a list of those. Get in contact with them and ask if there's a way you can help. And you don't have to serve strictly in the church. If you know of somebody who has a need, reach out to them. Give them a call or text. Their numbers are right here. Um, And just say, hey, how can I help you out? I know you're going through this. Do you need an extra hand? Moving, um, babysitting, anything like that. Just let them know. Because I can assure you that our elders will not reprimand or be mad that you're serving and loving somebody outside the church. (laughs) The third way we can love one another is by fellowshipping together. By having fellowship, we are able to keep each other accountable and push each other to the end. God has designed the Christian life around the local church. And we, of course, commanded to meet. We are to come alongside one another and help bear each other's burdens. We are to weep with those who are weeping, and we are to rejoice with those rejoicing. But you will not be able to do that if you don't know them. And that leads us into verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Peter wrote this in a time when being a Christian was very dangerous, as it still is in some places in the world. Peter is telling them to be hospitable, hospitable not just for spiritual health, but for physical health, to stay out of danger's way. Here in America, we don't really worry about the, the physical aspect anymore. Uh, and sadly, we don't worry about our spiritual health much either. We all need Christian friends. But sometimes friendships don't always happen. Sometimes they're automatically, happen, you have some common interests, and you just build it, but we must be intentional in knowing one another well. Blake continues to encourage us to have fellowship with each other, not just by meeting here on Sundays and Wednesdays, but by opening up our homes and inviting people into our messy lives. My sister Ashley and I have made, have had many of you in our home over the last few years, and I can't think of any time that I've ever regretted it. And we look forward to having more and more of you over as time allows. Does that mean we've never grumbled? No. I wish I could say we didn't, but we have. Uh, But as we continue to do it, there is less and less grumbling, and it is because that our love for this church continues to deepen. So here are a few tips to help you out if you struggle with this area and you don't know how to start. First, Remember, you're not perfect, but neither are they. Everybody gathered around that table is sinners in need of Christ. <coughs> Your house doesn't have to be immaculate, especially if you have kids. Nobody's expecting that. It just needs to be welcoming. You don't have to be an amazing chef either. You can order pizza. I have done it. Second, just know that it will be awkward. That's the beauty of the gospel. We all have friends here at CCBC that if it wasn't for the gospel or this church, we wouldn't be friends with them at all. And sometimes, the only thing you may have in common with somebody is Christ. But praise the Lord, because that is the best thing to have in common with anybody. Not everyone will enjoy the same things but that doesn't mean we can't help each other get to heaven. The last tip is just do it. Be like Nike and just do it. <laughs> Schedule someone, somebody over, even if you're not ready, and get the first one over with. It gets easier as you do it, and it's not nearly as frightening as you think it is. Stop making excuses and just do it. As we get ready to take the Lord's Supper together, let us look to Christ look to Christ, and remember that the end of all things is at hand, and that Christ is returning, and that because of that, we must remain self-controlled, we must persevere, and we must continue to love one another earnestly and cheer each other on to the end. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the local church that you've established Uh, Lord, I I thank you for this body. Thank you for all the members here. Lord, I pray that we continue uh, to encourage one another um, to look to Christ, to, to not look to the world, but to keep our eyes set at Christ's second coming. And I pray that there be unity in this body as we push for that goal. Lord, I pray that we pray for each other earnestly, that we seek to do good for one another that we are selfless uh, in that, and that we seek the good of all before us. Lord, I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.